0: My name is Julie Rohr, and I am a mom, and I am a cancer patient, and I am living my best life. So that's me. <laughs> that was really cheesy. Do
1: you want to do another one?
0: I'll do a second one just in case let's it turns do, out better than the first five, one. Yeah. Let's do and,
1: and, and like three my and grand- a half. <laughs> like my grandmother used to say to me, sprinkle it with thoughts."
0: Sprinkle it with... Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. <clears throat> Yeah, that would be really me, Trent. This would be so Julie Rohr. I am fucking you. Julie Rohr and I <laughs> and I endorse this candidate for <laughs> No. Okay. Wait, what am I saying? <coughs> I am hmm. Julie Rohr and I am a mom and I am a wife, and I am a community member of Laurier Heights, and I love my community, I love my city, and I love my life. I am uh, going through a cancer journey that I never expected to be on, but it has shaped me um, into a better person, and I um, am grateful to be here to talk to you today about being a parent in trying times.
1: (laughs) I don't think we need to do another one. That's pretty fucking bang on. Is that good? Yeah. Yeah.
0: The Undead is part of the Alberta Podcast Network and is powered by ATB.
1: Oh hello there everyone. This is the Undead podcast and I am Trent Wilkie. The Undead podcast is a podcast about family and how you are formed by your environment. There will be some swearing, there will be some caring. And there will be some sharing. I hope you put on your lucky jacket, because we're going to go on a journey together. episode is titled,
2: An Interview with Julie R. Lauer,
0: part 1. ...the day with of Green Gables. Ah, uh, Anne to with the an E? Se- Anne with Green an e. Gables, well, Or we're we going no, old school? old school. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't even seen Anne with an E. I can't get over... It's really good. I, I've heard that. Yeah, my son loves it. Like, my heart is just with the old Anne, with, you know...
1: I, What's his name isn't as hot? Well, Remember the hottie?
0: Yeah. <sighs> yeah, well, I started out with that because I was going to the seniors' home in the morning, mm-hmm. and, well... Everybody at the senior home loves Anne of Green Gables. Okay. So I started with that, and then I, well, I was going to be this inflatable T Rex all day. Yeah. But it's a little tricky to drive in. And I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So I was a mime. Oh, that's right, and day. you got the,
1: you, but you got the affordable mime
0: maker. I got the really and bad. It crack. It was really. I looked like a zombie mime. Yeah,
1: which I enjoyed. Yeah,
0: it was a, It wasn't intentional, but it turned into that, <laughs> exactly. and it was okay. And then my final costume was the mime being swallowed by the T Rex. So, like, it was a mime inside a T-Rex. So that's why I say it's three and a half costumes, because it was really Anne of Green Gables, the mime, the T-Rex, and also the mime being swallowed by the T-Rex.
1: How do you mime that?
0: Well... It was very small arms. Okay. It was a very, yeah, a very small, small box. box and you, <laughs>
1: you became more and more digested. I, how do you mime digestion?
0: So, yeah. <laughs> i A silent
1: scream yes. forever, like a sarlacc pit.
0: Exactly. <laughs> that, that was my costume for Halloween. <laughs> silent scream forever. <laughs> Isn't that all of life, Trent Wilkie? Isn't that all of life?
1: I was, uh, <laughs> I was a business chicken. Good. So I had a chicken costume. Yeah. Uh, but I had a nice vest because oh, I was serious about my startup good. and my entrepreneurial endeavors. Yeah, and I gave every kid that came to the door. I started with the pitch, I'm like, "Hey, welcome to my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is also my business. I work from home. <laughs> uh, it's called. Uh, I think half of the time it was the old three stooges Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe law firm. Oh, good. Uh, but my daughter just used to, and she's like, No chicken, no, ch- no, she's just in her diaper. No chicken, yeah.
0: So she was dressed up as a baby in a diaper, yes. That was her Who
1: question. kept inviting the younger ones into the house as soon as a kid her age would show up? She's like, right. Come,
0: come, come, come play in, with <laughs> me. Come in.
1: So it was awkward because the parents would grab the kid, and
0: uh-huh.
1: and uh, my daughter would just start fighting, right? And, uh, <laughs>
0: and there was a scene, yeah, to be had, yeah. It
1: wasn't in business chicken. <laughs> Lost his composure very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> very not, emotional. This is not party this chicken. Is not, this this is isn't is going to go well. Chicken. We're not going to get the grants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I handed a lot. I had a, one of my favorite ones was, uh, uh, he was, must have been 14 years old.
0: hmm Those are the best trick-or-treaters. Yeah. yeah. And he
1: was like very nice, very well, like in a big, beautiful long dress, nice pearl necklace, grayish wig, beautiful yep. earrings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, was like, what are you dressed up as? And he's like, I'm dressed up as my grandma, man. She is awesome. And I just like giving him fists. Take all my candy. candy. Take it off. He was totally legit, too.
0: Grandmas are awesome. Yeah. They are awesome. They
1: are awesome. Yeah, they are pretty awesome.
0: I spend a lot of time with my grandma. Yeah? Because uh, since I was diagnosed with cancer, I quit my job. Yeah. And then my grandpa died, and he was kind of the more independent of the two of them. Oh. And grandma's so sweet, but she doesn't do a lot for herself. Mm -hmm. So my family was in this position of, like, should we hire a full-time nurse to take care of grandma? Yeah. And my sister's like, well, Julie doesn't have a job right now, and she can (laughs) probably (laughs) use the money. And she likes grandma, and grandma likes her. Well, there you go. So how about we just pretend, you know, like Julie is the nurse, but Grandma won't know. It'll be a secret plan. Oh,
1: does your grandma have dementia?
0: Well, she doesn't have dementia, but she's kind of just forgetful. Yeah, yeah. So I go there three times a week, and every time it's like I'm a miracle from heaven. She's like... I can't believe you're here visiting me. And I go all on the same days every week and she's shocked every time. It's, yeah, great. it's adorable. She's adorable. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. That
1: must be wonderful to spend time with her.
0: Yeah, it's uh yeah. it's a totally different change of pace for yeah. life. Like going from working, you know, a busy job mm-hmm. to spending three days a week at the seniors home mm-hmm. doing like physio exercises with them in their exercise class. It's <laughs> fabulous. It's just my speed yeah. now.
1: Everybody lift their arm.
0: Yeah. Excellent. Do a little circle. Yeah. Like that's what How I much
1: think. is it like raising children? How much is it like You know kids? what?
0: I think about that a lot because yeah. it is a circle of life. They yeah. say that and it's so true. You start out, you know, totally dependent yeah. on your parents to feed you and clothe you and you, in many cases, end up largely dependent. Yeah. Relying on someone to clothe you and feed you. And it's such a, um, it's an interesting thing to go through as somebody who has a diagnosis Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, my life might be shorter than other people's lives Mm -hmm. because I'm looking at these seniors and I've had to be a dependent in Mm -hmm. the last few years, several times after major surgeries where I've been lying out in a bed for weeks, Mm -hmm. unable to walk. And I think about how weird this is that it's this at, you know, being a parent of a child and then suddenly being like a child yourself. Yeah. It's a very strange dynamic.
1: Do you have trouble saying yes to help? Is that uh, something that I you did were,
0: in the yeah. beginning because yeah. I'm a super independent person and I never wanted help from anybody. But then I suddenly desperately needed help because I actually couldn't drive my kids to school and mm-hmm. I couldn't do anything. So, yeah, I've learned to say yes to the help and it's been a huge life lesson for me
1: i wanted to get you on the show for a while, uh, but recently you had some some news, mm-hmm. some, it seems like good news.
0: Yeah. With, you know, with metastatic cancer, there's like, it can be good and bad and good and bad. Mm-hmm. Like my good news isn't the same as every cancer patient's good news yeah. because my doctors, you know, have given me basically a terminal diagnosis. So mm-hmm. my good news, I always take with... Um, a grain of salt. Mm -hmm. It's good for me for right now. And the doctors always expect that the cancer will come back. And I, you know, beg to differ, you know, most days, Mm -hmm. but my last scan results were great. Mm -hmm. All the tumors that I have right now in my body have shrunk. And so I take that for um, what it is for me right now,
1: Yeah, which is good news. Do you still need to go to your doctor and say, huh, what does that mean? Or do you, are you, because you're also writing a book, like you're sort of immersed in this whole... You must be teaching yourself a lot, but do you still need a translator when it comes to some sort of di- uh, some sort of information you're given by a doctor?
0: Yeah, medical information is uh, you learn to speak it pretty quickly when this is your life. So mm-hmm. I, I've quit my job, um, it'll be almost two years ago now, because I was just going through... Tons of surgeries and tons of you know radiation and chemo. I just it wasn't fair for my company to keep bringing in a temp every time I would go for surgery. So I just decided for me and for them it was a better idea to quit. Yeah. And so then I've been doing research into my disease um, this whole time since I've quit my job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I've learned the lingo. I've learned what to look for, um, but it's still there's still new information at every corner. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I know what I'm talking about, and then something new presents itself. So I'm oh. constantly learning, right? Yeah. It is a journey I, of learning. And I
1: guess in some situations, so are the doctors.
0: Yeah, because you know? it is a one-in-a-million kind of scenario yeah. where the doctors here have seen maybe one or two cases, you know, of LMS yeah. in their what is What is or, the full
1: name? What is LMS Uh,
0: their... Lyomyosarcoma. Yeah. So it's a sarcoma that starts kind of in the soft muscle mm-hmm. tissue, and... Um, it's a very uh, unpredictable Mm -hmm. diagnosis because there's no one pathway that will treat it. Like for breast cancer, now there's kind of like, you catch it. I mean, mm-hmm. there's lots of different subtypes of breast cancer. And I know lots of women who have gone through that. Mm-hmm. And you can find someone in Edmonton who has what you have and you can talk to them and be part of groups or, you yeah. know, there's lots of knowledge and research into cancers like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but with really rare cancers. You basically
1: got the asshole unicorn of cancers. I did. Yeah. The
0: asshole unicorn. My friends were like, why do you got to be so damn special? Like, yeah. come on already. Showing off. Yeah. Jeez. But, you know. Yeah. My mom always told me I was one in a million, and you know <laughs> I'm one in a million now. Oh. But you, um, yeah. So, so there's not as much research, not as mm-hmm. much grants, not as much um, knowledge that, that's floating around about this one. Mm-hmm. So I have to be my own best advocate mm-hmm. because uh, that's that's what I've been dealt. The cards I've been dealt.
1: Yeah, and you're very honest about it. You're very sherry, but not in that uh, you don't want anybody like oh Jules, oh Jules. This is more of like your. I find that when people there's two types of people. You take the journalistic point of view. You don't take the pity point of view. You take like this is what's going on. This is what I learned today. This is an interesting thing. This is an interesting fact. Yeah. You know this is where the world is when it comes to medical research. Like we're living in the future every five minutes yes. when it comes to what your updates.
2: In the most recent OTHERWISE podcast episode, they explore the significance of land acknowledgement, what it means to be a treaty person as a newcomer immigrant, and the relationship between newcomers and indigenous communities. This is one of those podcasts where you should have a pen and paper handy. Take notes. The OTHERWISE podcast is a free education. Visit OTHERWISEshow.com for more information.
1: Like I said earlier you're writing a book. How's that going?
0: It's going well. And how many
1: is there like is there a lot of nudity and fighting in it? Is it swearing? Tons. So it's a fan fiction of yeah,
0: science fiction. Science
1: fiction actually, of yeah. uh, Edward Scissorhands <laughs> meets The T Rex costume. Yeah, no,
0: no. I um, I my book is more like my own therapy. Like I am a writer. I've always been a writer to process things. Like ever since I was a little kid, if I've got something in my brain, Mm -hmm. I have to write it down Mm -hmm. to process it.
1: You and I went to J School together. We did. Yeah,
0: yeah, and uh, the writing thing for me has been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It it's been. Uh, the working title of my book is How to Stay Sane When Your Body's Trying to Kill You If Your Children Don't Kill You First. I mean, that's not like going to be the title, but that, that gets the understanding across. Yeah. of like yeah. This is a book about um, how strange it is to have a diagnosis when you're a parent of young children. Yeah. Because you're juggling, young parents juggle a lot. Mm-hmm. You're already juggling everything. Mm-hmm. And then you get another thing massively changing your life thrown into the mix mm-hmm. and you know there's funny parts to it mm-hmm. i i i kind of have had to deal with this with humor because there's like you know you can laugh or you can cry and i'd rather laugh mm-hmm. and i i when i first got diagnosed i wanted to read a book that was funny that was hopeful that was like look i'm getting through this i'm mm-hmm. living with this and i'm still having fun with my life and i'm still enjoying the company of my family mm-hmm. and you even though my body is kind of falling apart and being an asshole, mm-hmm. I, I'm still living. Mm-hmm. And so this book is what I wanted to read, you know, three years ago when I You're was You're like diagnosed. the Ramones. <laughs> they didn't like
1: the music they were hearing. So they started writing the music right? they wanted to hear. Yeah. And the Ramones of cancer know, fiction. With not, all good artists. They yeah. just like, fuck it. I'm just going to. There's a missing part. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to fill it. A lot of people emulate. There's no shame in emulating. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people fill that. What's that? That void. That void. Yeah.
0: There's a void uh, regarding humor around cancer because Mm. people don't know how to laugh at death. Mm -hmm. People are not raised to look at death as a normal part of life. Mm -hmm. We're raised to fear death Mm -hmm. in our society, in our culture. And I was raised in a really religious home. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that um, was that, you know, death is a part of life. And we were raised not to be afraid of death, but to to look at it as just a transition. Mm -hmm. And so for me, you know... um, I am finding the humor in these moments, like when I'm lying in a hospital bed and all of my h- roommates are ridiculously funny. Like mm-hmm. I am, I'm writing down these stories of, like for an example, one of my favorite hospital stories is that uh, when I had my lung surgery, there was a guy in the bed next to me. When I was wheeled into the room, there was it was all men, three mm-hmm. men and me, and they were like gruff looking men. Like mm-hmm. this was, uh, it was funny. Because it was hu- the biker war. It was like, yeah, it was like going into a unit of gang members. You need a tattoo.
1: I got to get here, you right?
0: Tattoo, and you my get. husband is like freaking out. He's like, oh. "You can't sleep in this room. <laughs> These people are going to murder you in your sleep." And the guy right next to me, yeah. he's got this long hair and yeah. tattoos all over, and he's listening to music in his headphones. Yeah. That's so loud, I can hear it clearly, yeah. and it's like metal
2: die
0: kill like these are the words and i'm like i start to laugh and my husband starts to freak out and he's like i'm going to find somebody (laughs) to find you a private room and i said like sweetheart there's no such thing as a private like that doesn't happen in these hospitals right now so he's off trying to find the like unit clerk to be like my wife cannot stay in this room and i'm like giggling because this it's so funny to me it's ironic and, and then the next song that comes on his playlist he's fast asleep this guy okay the next song that comes on which i can hear clear as day is in the jungle, the mighty jungle. And I just burst out laughing. I'm like, this yeah. guy's not a killer. He's yeah. a teddy bear. Yeah. He's a big, And it turned out he was. I mean, don't, I've learned a lot not to judge a book by its cover because yeah. I've made some amazing friends in these hospital wards. And this guy was no exception. He my family would come visit me and I'd be sleeping and he'd say to them, look guys, she had a rough night. Can you just like back off? I'll tell her you were here. Like he was like my, my security guard. So you just don't know what you're going to run into in these hospitals. It can be really um, eye opening and teach me a lot about myself as a person Mm -hmm. and about humanity in general and who we write off as, you know, and who we overlook. Mm -hmm. But really those people can teach you amazing things or you can, you can just become friends with them, you know?
1: My wife's uh, father is going through a similar thing. Um, they didn't know what it was first. They thought it was brain cancer. Mm-hmm. But we've been in a lot of hospitals. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that I will agree with you there is I, I walk into the hospital with who I am and what I'm doing and who I'm going to see mm-hmm. and my emotional weight. And I'm always carrying a little boy or a little girl. Yeah. And whenever I go in there, the little boy or the little girl become the star of the room. Yes. Because there's people there that are going through things that I don't even know because yeah. I'm just thinking about me right yeah, that's as yeah, yeah. individuals become this little selfish little it's my emotion it's the most precious thing yeah. but when I put my daughter on the ground and she's walking around talking to people just blah 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 can't really speak it, it's a completely different playing field yeah and people have this sort of connection of oh no no there's still life and hope and wonder and glory yeah. and all of this awesome stuff going on
0: yeah because hospitals are I, I've spent a lot of the last three mm-hmm. three years in hospitals and I've come to realize that they are places where people are facing what life really is. Mm-hmm. Like we are all on this kind of hamster wheel of life, right? We get into the routines, we take our kids to their activities, we we go to work, we pay off our mortgages, we pay off our cars. No, you get into a hospital and these are people who are staring death in the face, mm-hmm. you know? And and they are like, what is my life about right now? And mm-hmm. so there's there's a real rawness.
1: A tangible thing. A you tangible. Can, you can feel it. Like you can. Yeah. Like,
0: especially in the cross-cancer. When I go into the Cross Cancer Institute, it is like, there's so much um, anxiety, but also so much love and mm-hmm. hope. It's like this raw love. Like, people are seeing their loved ones.
1: Necessary love. Necessary love. Like, there, yeah. the
0: warrior love. Yeah. Like, this love that's like, I will see you through anything Mm -hmm. and it's so tangible and beautiful and i um i i've learned so much about the nature of people Mm -hmm. in the last three years that
1: is such a uh, another story i was we were leaving to go see uh, grandpa who Mm -hmm. was in the hospital and my wife had all these bags packed at the front of the room and she was off at work and my daughter just gets into stuff and she brings over my wife's pill box yeah and hands it to me and i went oh shit Oh, shit. So I call my wife and I'm like, how many pills are in the pillbox? And she says a number because she's just like giving me an answer because she knows I need an answer. And there was eight missing. Uh, So I'm on the phone with poison control and they're like, go to the hospital. I get to the stallery. I park on the other side of the building. I have my son who I'm trying not to scare.
0: Yeah.
1: Four-year-old boy and I have my daughter in my arm and I get in there and there's, I'm just in the middle of this sort of walkway, this mall and I start fucking crying, openly blubbering. And all of a sudden- this wave of people. Yeah. How can we help you? What do you need? Yeah. Before I know it, they're taking me down. I've got my daughter because nobody's getting my daughter away from me.
0: Yeah.
1: And my son is with this 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 woman who I'll never meet again. Yeah. Talking to him about his day and how he's doing. Yeah. He's like, oh, my daddy, my uncle, my grandpa. Like, he's totally. And next thing I you know, I'm being helped by like. And it's just it's just such a, like, to have that. To have, yeah. like, for people to do that every day. Yeah. And to still do it with authenticity and not be hardened yeah. about the world around them. Yeah. Like, what a wonderful fucking place we live it's, in, man.
0: It's a gift. There's
1: shit and stupid yeah. shit going on. Yeah. But there is still, like, moments of wondering, and we just need to breathe a bit. Yeah. And, and embrace that a bit more, the people that we can love, and people who we don't even know love us, but they do, because they love
2: people. Editors know the human child turned out to be in optimal health.
0: Isn't that yeah we I mean I'm also a political nerd and I you know I scroll through political mm-hmm. feeds all day long like mm-hmm. reading what's going on around the world reading what mm-hmm. how people are reacting and it is a weird world right now it mm-hmm. is a strange It's a
1: social media
0: world. It's a very Nobody
1: gets to look people in the eyes and tell right? them what they feel. They get to hide behind the shield of their car of or their or screens.
0: And, you know, there's a lot of scary shit going down. There's a lot of things that you could, like, be really afraid of.
1: And as a journalist, you can smell it a lie. Yeah. (laughs) Because you know, because we've been lied to. We've been pitched stories. Yeah. We've been shown shit that isn't real before. Tried to tell it, like, that it's real.
0: Yeah, yeah you yeah.
1: watch people, the uneducated, not saying that they're uneducated people, but the uneducated to propaganda or to lies, try to filter out the stuff. It's like teaching crazy kids making. how to ride a
0: bike. Yeah, It's Cra- crazy making. Crazy making. It, it's a brilliant way to put it. Is. It is. Also
1: a very good punk band name.
0: <laughs> crazy making. <laughs> yeah. And then, you the know, you pukes. end up in the- Crazy
1: making in the cute pukes. Go ahead.
0: Ew, the cute pukes. Cute pukes. Oh, see, so I was yeah. thinking cucumber pukes. Like, <laughs> cute pukes? Like, that would be a gross name That's for a man. too a band. long puke.
1: That the would just, like, especially pukes. the size of the cucumber.
0: Yeah, but like you know, in the midst of all this craziness going on, like to be in a place like that where you were holding your daughter and with your son, like people want to help you. People want. It was
1: like a way. You just give Jules. them the
0: chance, and, and, and they're like, there for you. exactly. Right, and and we don't know this until we're in our darkest place. Like I wasn't even saying words. I was <laughs> right. Pills. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I have had people that I... D- like, people have come out of the woodwork in the last three years to to just go above and beyond to support me. Mm-hmm. And I, you
1: know... You don't even really know them.
0: People who I'm have there. cancer can, can... You can react to it in a lot of different ways. And yeah. I've been part of support groups with a lot of really angry people. I can mm-hmm. get... You know, if I really think about the unjustness of getting, you know, a terminal diagnosis at the age of 33, mm-hmm. I can get mad. I can get I can get angry about it. But also... I can look at the beauty of what this has brought out in my life and how it's shown my kids. You know, people are good in their heart. Like, they want to help you, and you can be that person for them. Mm -hmm. And if you are that person for them first, Mm -hmm. if you're there for them in their time of need first, Mm -hmm. they're going to be there for you even more when you're in your time of need. Mm -hmm. And it's just this beautiful picture of, like, how does this world work, and how can you be there for people in their time of need? It's it's really been a huge, um, a, a humbling and beautiful experience for my family in mm-hmm. the last three years. Just total strangers coming up and being like, "Can we?" You know, I've had a total stranger give our family five thousand dollars. Somebody I've never met before went on my like online fundraiser mm-hmm. and donated five. I contacted them and I said, like, did you mean to write 50? Like, you have never met me or my family. Did you make a mistake? And they said, no, we didn't make a mistake. You know, we we're moved by your story and we wanted to support. I'm like, this is a very humbling situation to be in, mm-hmm. right? Like, who wants to be sitting here asking for help? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's, it's a blow to the pride. But at the same time, it's allowing us to walk in community. Mm-hmm. Which is the most beautiful place to be. Exactly. Community.
2: Within the Alberta Podcast Network, there are many nooks and so many crannies. One of these dank crannies is inhabited by the Pop Cycle Podcast. This month, Mr. Christian Zip wanted to feature one of his favorite albums, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Eric Newby also loves that album. Which is not weird because he and Zip share a tangible cosmic connection. Anyways, while they were out practicing their high fives, they ended up chatting with Karen Unlund, the president and founder of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. She schooled then on the most groundbreaking of ominous topics that really tied the spooky subject of horror dance anthology together. Enough is enough. Just listen to the goddamn episode, okay? Visit popcyclepod.com and stop being so stupid about the coolest things. Jeez.
1: I'm not a very religious person, but one of the things I'm very jealous of is community. Yeah. There are things there for my family, and I'm trying to find those things. Yeah. But community is something that's missing from my life. Yeah. Uh, and I got a sense of that at the stallery. I got a sense of that, yeah. just like giving for giving's sake. But you're not just giving mm-hmm. something. You weren't just giving $5,000 because your story is a little bit bigger than, hey, I need help. Because mm. you given, you're Max with the little monster stuff. Mm. Like, he's, you guys have given before you ever needed. So, you know, like you deserve everything. And you said the word, it's a little hit to the pride. I don't know. If your pride is a little, I would say from my perspective, it's a little different because you deserve all the good shit you get.
0: Well... You know, life is funny. And I was raised as a giver. I mean, that I had a very surreal experience growing up that, you know, when you're a kid, you think you're normal as everybody's normal. And I was raised in a home where we would have homeless people. My parents would just pick up homeless people or Mm -hmm. even prostitutes like off the street, bring Mm -hmm. them home to sleep in our guest room to give them a warm place for the night. Like Mm -hmm. that was my experience as a kid. We we give when we see someone that needs it. We'd have people over for dinner at the drop of a hat. My mom just learned, like, my dad's going to bring a family home for dinner. We just have extra food in the house. So I was raised in a culture of giving, and a lot of that was tied to the church because my dad was a pastor. So, I mean, it was just in his nature. Like, that's his job is to love and care for people who are in need. Mm-hmm. And so I I just carried that with me my whole life. and. Um, so yeah, a few years back when our friends were going through their cancer diagnosis, the little girl had leukemia Mm -hmm. and the mom had a brain tumor. Holy shit. Like, and what do you do? Like the dad obviously had to take time off work to manage that. And, and we, as you know, acquaintances of these people, I had just known them sort of like as acquaintances Mm -hmm. and, uh, I would just talked with Max about it and, he wanted to do something as and a little kid work. and he got, got to work. work and he drew those monsters. And yeah. oh my gosh, I. Oh,
1: so just so people don't uh, uh, might not know, what was the title of it? Was Max's Monsters? Is that Well,
0: right? it was fight a monster. Okay, Like we started talking about how cancer was kind of like a monster. It's yeah. kind of scary. It creeps up on you. It attacks you. You don't mm-hmm. know where it's coming from. And he was drawing monsters because it was around Halloween. Right. So mm-hmm. um, anyways, he said, how can I help this little girl? And how what? And I said, what about your monsters? What if we sold your drawings? And. My favorite part of that whole story was his um, optimism about how much he could raise and my skepticism about how much he could (laughs) raise. Because he said, Mom, like, I said, Well, how much do you think we can raise with these monsters? And he says, He said, $1,100. And I said, Okay, buddy, you're four. These are drawings yeah. with a Sharpie marker. Let's yeah. lower our expectations. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, Okay, ten hundred dollars, Mom, but no less than that. And you know, ten hundred. That made me laugh. And so we put them online within twenty-four hours we had a thousand dollars. And within, you know, thirty days, we had thirteen thousand dollars just from this kid's yeah. little drawing. And I mean that gives my son this picture to the world, like you can make a difference with yeah. your with your little heart. Intent. You know, Honesty. it's about the intent. Yeah. Yeah. It's about being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. It's about being um, open with people and being willing to share. And that's like the hugest lesson I want my kids to learn Mm -hmm. through this and through the rest of their life. Like, you know, just that when you see a need, don't just don't just ignore it. Mm -hmm. Because that like that's what most of our society will do. You know, you walk past a homeless person on the street. Mm -hmm. Um we have a lot of dialogues about that because my son, he's, he's like, well, if you give them money, they're going to spend it on something bad, mom. And, you know, we talk about compassion. We talk about walking a mile in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, you have no idea where that person's been. Mm-hmm. You have no idea what they've seen with their eyes, what they've lived with their lives. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's not be quick to judge them. And they're not
1: just drug users. Yeah. They're people that yeah. are masking and hiding and trying to cope. Yeah, exactly who knows right. what the hell happened.
0: And. Um, my son is learning a lot about the world and the way it works mm-hmm. you know both my sons are
1: I was uh, we were again another story about humanity uh, about a year and a half ago I wrote about this on the blog before it became a podcast but uh, there was a, a woman uh, I think she was she was she was a prostitute. we've seen her on 118th mm-hmm. a few times and I was walking with my son uh, he was in a wagon I think at the time. And I've seen her around and we walked across the street and as we walked towards her, she, you know, she has the posture of somebody hoping to pick up. Mm -hmm. And she sees my son and just completely changes, Mm -hmm. you know. And she's like, how are you, young man? He's like, oh, I'm good. Me and my daddy went to the grocery store and all this stuff. Oh, that's great. That's great. And uh, we just had a nice conversation and the light turned and then we left. And uh, and then as we crossed the street, I turned around and uh, she was back to the posture. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you were talking about. You don't know. You don't know. You have have no no idea what a person's doing. Like, she was a mom, a sister, a a friend at that moment when I was there. And she still was. Yeah. She was working before that. But then she wasn't working. And her guard was down. And she became all those things that make her human. Isn't that a beautiful thing about kids?
0: I I was in Vancouver. Like, I was in Vancouver with my niece, Naomi. And she was three. And I am a bit of a, like, total ditz when it comes to, like, directions and how to get places. <laughs> so when I'm in a, a city that's not mine yeah. and I get on a bus, yeah. the, I, I've done this a few times. I always forget that the bus goes both directions on the same street. Yeah. So if I'm, like, looking on my Google Maps and it says, go to this corner and catch this bus, yeah. I don't realize which side. of Like, so I get on going the wrong way. So anyways, yeah, I ended yeah, yeah. up in, in, like, I don't know, down in Chinatown in Vancouver, I think it was Hastings. I don't even know. It was a really sketch-filled part of town. And we get off the bus, and we're trying to get to uh, Central Park. And we ended up at this Tim Hortons, because we got on the wrong bus, and I had to wait for the right bus. But anyways, we go in this Tim Hortons with her. She's in the stroller, and I very quickly realize we are in a sketchy part of town. Mm-hmm. And everybody in this Tim Hortons is like higher than a kite. Mm-hmm. And they're just kind of talking to each other mm-hmm. and just being in that space. And this guy right in line in front of us, he's wearing this black hoodie and he's probably 20, mm-hmm. just talking and talking to himself. And then he sees Naomi and he... Just his face lights up and he starts to play peekaboo with her, mm-hmm. like with his hoodie. Mm-hmm. He kind of like pulls his hoodie over his eyes and he's playing peekaboo with her. And at first she's like, what the heck? She's freaked out. Yeah, And then she kind of just starts to play peekaboo with her little stuffed animal. Yeah. She's like pulling away from her eyes. And he just, you could just see in his face like he was so captured by the magic of a three-year-old so we get to the front of the line and he'd heard her say because I said which donut do you want sweetie and she goes the one with the sprinkles Mm -hmm. so he's in line in front of us so he goes ahead of us and then we go to the next cashier and and he calls out from his cashier he says hey don't don't buy that donut I I bought you the donut with the sprinkles and he holds up this bag and and I had this moment where I was like I should give him $20 like I should give him money Mm -hmm. because he's clearly in a place in life that's pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, no, that's, he's never, he hasn't asked me for anything. He wants to give in this moment to this child mm-hmm. that has brought him this moment of magic. Mm-hmm. And like, who knows, maybe he has a kid that's three years old and mm-hmm. he can't see them right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he's just remembering what it was like to be that innocent mm-hmm. before all or the shit little, of life exact. has hit you. Do you know what I mean? We were all
1: kids. It's so surprising that we were yeah. all children. We all gave that to people. Yeah. Back when we were That innocent. magic. Yeah. 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 Back when we were didn't care what, what the fuck you looked like. Yeah. When we didn't have, you know... This weird, imposing views of the world thrust upon us for yeah. some stupid reason. We were just like kids, like, well, look, a tree, you know, a thousand dollar toy beside you. Like, oh, that stick is
0: bitching. Right. That box. Look at that box. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. could
1: put your body in that box.
0: Oh, right. I love kids.
1: Did you always want to be a parent, Jules?
0: I did. Yeah. I wanted to have a big family. And um, it wasn't in the cards for me. Uh, I went through divorce when Max was two. And that was a really big shock to my system. That was a, um, I think that's kind of where I learned uh, about empathy the most about uh, walking through hard times and Mm -hmm. not judging someone who's going through a hard time. Um, And that really gave me the strength to face my cancer diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I mean, cancer diagnosis is hard. But if I had to choose between the two of them again, I mean, divorce was so hard. I felt alone. Mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody. I felt like I did not know what was going to happen to my child. Mm -hmm. I was completely a basket case. That was the darkest time of my life. It's very strange to say that that was the darkest time of my life when I, you know, I was given a diagnosis that said my life's going to be over. But, but the divorce was so much, it was so frightening and yeah. so dark and lonely.
1: Was it because you didn't know, whereas with the cancer you sort of know? Like, I don't that, know. I think the... it was
0: because with the cancer I could say it out loud and I could say, look, I need help. Mm-hmm. And people came around me in droves to help me. I mean, when you say I'm going through a divorce, people don't bring you a casserole to your door. No. They're like, oh, well. What we'll happened leave, to your yeah, marriage? we'll leave you alone. We'll just yeah. not talk to you for You're a little stained, while. Like, yeah. I mean, I had a little support during that time, but mm-hmm. I, didn't talk about it at all. I mm-hmm. just went through it largely alone because I was embarrassed and I was, I was lost.
1: Nobody ever sees themselves as getting divorced. No, like you and don't it plan for, for that. To so
0: many and so that was, I mean, that happened when Max was two, and then, um, and then I uh, entered into a blended family a few years later mm-hmm. and remarried, and so I've learned a lot about being a parent, um. As a stepmom, too. Like mm-hmm. it's so now I have my two boys. I always wanted a big, big family. I've got my two boys. David and I wanted to have more kids uh, when we got married, but it was not in the cards because I got my diagnosis the first year we were married. Gotcha. And so we decided we we're going to um, just focus on our two boys that we have and give them all the love we can give them. And I, yeah, I'm grateful for that opportunity to be a stepmom, too, because it's taught me a lot about. Integration of families yeah. and learning to live with other perspectives, and learning to love a child that is not your biological child. I mean, yeah. you were adopted. I've listened to your the podcasts mm-hmm. about being adopted and the mm-hmm. feelings you went through. And love is love, though, hey. Eh? Love is love, and mm. this boy is so he's so much a part of my life. Mm-hmm. And I can't imagine life without him now.
1: When you choose, because you can choose to love.
0: Yeah, you can. And you can
1: choose to not love. That's right. And but when you choose to love, you forgot that it was a choice at one point.
0: Yeah, because the feelings follow the choice
1: exactly and then the whole thing is just love it's not a decision you made yeah it's just
0: it turns into just love yeah
1: that's one thing that we mammals have you know we're pretty good at that stuff when we want to do it
0: pretty good at love when we try yeah
1: because you love your partner people forget that you know you love your partner you chose your partner yeah right
0: and you have to keep choosing your partner exactly and that's yeah that's you know cancer diagnosis and a marriage is also tricky because your partner turns into your caregiver and that's Mm You know, even your kids turn into your caregivers at some times. And Mm -hmm. that's a whole dynamic that's um, different for a parent, for sure, too.
1: Yeah, they want a friend.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they want
1: it's a lot of different hats. Sort of like your Halloween with your three and a half (laughs) costume changes.
0: Yes, I've always been a, you know, (laughs) juggling juggling a lot of hats. I've always been wearing a lot of different hats. That's true.
2: Thus ends part one. Part two will be up next week. So listen for it then.
0: I'd
1: like to thank Andrew Paul for producing this episode. I'd also like to thank the Edmonton Community Foundation for the recording space and the support. I'd also also like to thank Nathaniel Sutton of Brother Octopus slash Defend the Rhino slash whatever it is the heck he's working on for the intro music. You can find me at theundad.com or online at theundad on Twitter or just type in theundad on Facebook or you can email me at Trent. At the Or you can just see me on the street and give me a way too long hug.